0: thinking about that. The best teams in the world aren't the best because of the right resumes or the right Ivy League education or the right background or what family they come from or even standardized testing for that matter in our education system. The the best teams in the world are the best because we've fostered that chemistry amongst all of the individuals. They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock, Taking conversation all the way to eleven.
1: Most shows only go to ten. Well, it's one
0: louder, isn't it? These go to eleven. To
1: eleven. This is thoughts that rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menswear. Most shows only go to ten, but this one goes to eleven. It is to your favorite podcast, Thoughts That Rock, with Jim Knight. <laughs> And Brandt Menswar. Uh, we are—we had a professional record that. You oh, don't have did to we do that part? Damn, yes.
2: Damn. In fact, we spent money so that you wouldn't have. I wouldn't
1: have. But I sometimes I just like saying our names. Yeah. Someone has to. <laughs> that doesn't sound weird and vain at all. Look, we have a podcast where we give people advice. Sometimes people listen and it's life changing. Other times they don't, and we are not responsible.
2: I'm just gonna say right now, right out of the gate, mm-hmm. I noticed that a second person downloaded an episode from the Congo. Well, you know, when people are
1: struggling in the Congo, they know where to go.
2: Thoughts at rock. <laughs> I said rock, <wrong>, baby. <laughs> <That's> so weird. <laughs> so we had a great uh, discussion with our good friend, longtime friend yes. Shannon McCain. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know what the deal is here. We're not really focusing on the guest. We were focusing on the topic, but it is fun when you have a, a fun person on there as well. And it just sort of the stars were aligned. We were talking about how to create team chemistry. And uh, as you know, in the interview, it's not necessarily just business, just teams in general. And And Sheena was fantastic. Um, what you're going to find out is she is a speaker, um, focuses on building teams and employee engagement and improving workplace culture. Uh, She's been featured on pretty much all the major networks, ABC, CBS, NBC, even Nickelodeon, which I know you have some experience with. I've been featured on Nickelodeon myself. Yes, you have. As the Uh high school bully, Ben. Yes. In Uh, what show? What was the name of the show?
1: uh, The name of that show was Welcome Freshman.
2: Yes. But we're focusing on Shannon right now. Let's don't make this all about you. Damn it. (laughs) Fine. (laughs) Yes. Shannon is uh, also a former NFL cheerleader. She was with the Kansas City Chiefs Mm -hmm. and she was also an executive recruiter. So she takes all of that background and positions, all of that stuff in her keynote speeches. And man, we just, we were, we're fortunate to have her spend a little bit of time. And again, we just had a lot of fun with her.
1: The real triple threat. Enjoy our conversation with our friend, Shannon. Rock on. Rock on. Rock on. Ladies and gentlemen, Shannon McCain. There she is.
0: <sighs> hey guys, it's so good to see you.
1: It's good to see you too. It's been a minute. I think the last time I saw you, we were scrounging, trying to find a place to eat, um, <laughs> in in Dallas, wasn't it? Or some. It was.
0: Yes, it was- yes, you were in town. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, it was so good to see you. But yeah, that does feel like it was a while ago.
1: Well, listen, we are incredibly thankful that you take a few minutes. We know how busy you are Um, still celebrating your football win from (laughs) Mm -hmm. last year, unfortunately for those of us who want to see that happen, but she's... Still celebrating. That's okay. So um, might be celebrating for many years. Yes. So we well, let's let's not go too far. Um, she, uh, you know, as you've heard in the in the intro, how amazing she is. That's um, it's. it's uh, we're lucky to have her. She's going to share with us today how to create team chemistry. Mm-hmm. And so we don't want to beat around the bush. We want to get to the good stuff. So tell us, what is your first thought that rocks around creating team chemistry?
0: Yeah. And I think it's really simple. We just have to change our mindset about the individuals we're hiring.
1: Mm. Tell me more about that. What do you mean?
0: Yeah. So You know, I've been, after I was cheering in the National Football League, and then when I went into corporate America, I worked in HR and recruiting. And over the last 20 years of my life of working professionally, I have seen time and time and time again where hiring managers or folks in HR will just, you know, throw a job description up and just you know, assume that they're going to get the right people. And for far too long in corporate America, we have really focused on the wrong things. we focused on, do the words on the resume match what's in the job description? Do the, does the applicant or the candidate have a very specific skill set to put into that role within our company? But we need to change the way that we're thinking about that. The best teams in the world aren't the best because of the right resume resumes or the right Ivy League education or the right background or what family they come from, or even standardized testing for that matter in our education system. The, the best teams in the world are the best because we've fostered that chemistry amongst all of the individuals.
2: Hmm. And and how do you do that? I mean, I I guess I'm with you. I totally believe that. And, and I used to teach a lot of interviewing classes, like having interview guides and, and doing multiple interviews with different managers so that at least you get different perspectives I think when I think about team chemistry yeah. you make a great point but for me I go I'm so nervous about how do you know they they make it through the interview they get hired how can you tell if they're contributing in in a great way or or at least you think they're going to
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and you bring up a really great point. You know, 20 years ago, when I first got into this line of work, we weren't really using any kind of metrics outside of just resume and job description. But today, we have so many tools at our disposal to really get a read on someone's, uh, you know, personality or their types of decision-making skills or, you know, what their character looks like out outside of just showing up for the interview on time. And so mm-hmm. I'm a huge advocate for us to really lean into a lot of those science-based applications to be able to get a better read on individuals. And here's an example for you. So one of my favorite clients um, is back in Kansas City. You know, I'm based in Dallas now, but I was born and raised in Kansas City with my world champion, Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Uh,
0: there we go. There <laughs> we go. But um, yeah, outside of my speaking and engagements, I do a lot of consulting work for small to medium-sized businesses and companies around the country. And one of my favorite clients is based in Kansas City. Uh, He's about 20 to 25 folks now today. And when he first came to me as he was building his business, he said the exact same thing. Hey, I need to hire people and I need to hire the right people. And he handed me a couple of job descriptions that he had created. But again, his approach was completely wrong. He was thinking, I need to look for this type of resume or this type of background and experience. And once we were able to reframe his thought process with, okay, let's take a look at what your values are. Let's take a look at what you want the company values to be. And then let's take a look at some kind of a measurement system that says, you know, where do you want your employees to fall in line with those sorts of values that you have and what your expectations are out of folks? And then once we were able to to really dive into all of that and put some information on paper, then we were able to reframe the way we went about the hiring process and found that we were hiring the right people because of character or personality, not because of a particular skill set. We can teach job skills all day long, but what we can't teach are those values that line up with everyone in the organization.
2: I defer to Mister Values over here. We were just talking yeah. about some of this stuff, right?
1: Yeah, completely. Uh, you know, one of my favorite recruitment videos uh, from from a company is SodaStream. It's great, and uh, they have this phenomenal video that sort of goes through their company values, but they do it in a really fun, mm-hmm. outgoing way. and And they're basically saying in this video. If these things line up with you, there's a good chance you're going to enjoy working here. But trust me, you watch that two, three minute video, you know for sure whether or not this is a culture that you want to be in or not. So it really almost does them a favor by dissuading people who go, that's too kitschy. I don't like that. I want something more serious or whatever that might be. But by putting it out there, they really are giving people an opportunity to match in, connect values, right? You know, that's my, that's my things. So I, mm-hmm. I want people to connect personal values with organizational values. Um, but that doesn't happen on accident. It happens with delivered attention. And so the first thing that has to happen is you have to have a set of values that are that people can see and know what they need to connect to, and so I understand and agree with you a hundred percent on that. It's um, it's interesting. Do you find that a lot of the companies that you work with, especially the small to mid-sized companies, um, that they they actually don't do a great job at professing what really matters to them?
0: No, at all. They, you know, a lot of. Employers or business owners, you know, they're so focused on what are the end results? What are we trying to achieve? What are we trying to sell? How many widgets do we need to get out the door? And they think that the whole value based system isn't really that important. And so that's why I say that first thought that rocks has to be about changing that mindset.
2: Yeah. I love that. You know, I think about um, you know, just a couple of sports analogies since we're already there. I think about uh some of these college coaches like Nick Saban, you yeah. talk about quite a bit, or yeah. Bobby Bowden with Florida State. These guys, they they are on record saying they don't look for people to fill the position. They're just looking for great people. They hire phenomenal talent. And what you'll see is a lot of times they hire a hire, they, they bring on board in, you know, and recruit quarterbacks, wide receivers, running backs, cornerbacks, and then they just put them wherever it makes sense. And that's why you might have, you know, tons of people that are massively talented. And a third of them may have been high school quarterbacks, but somebody saw something in them and said, I'll figure out where to put them to the point that you were making earlier, Shannon, that you can train to the skill as long as you've got the right person. Now in our world, in corporate America, we're talking about personalities. And I'm still a big fan. I think you hire the the personality and you can train for the skill. I think you can pretty much almost train just about everybody. Um, when, When you talk about changing the mindset, is that also part of it that you just look for phenomenal, great people and we'll find a home for them? They've got a seat on the bus somewhere. 1,000,000%.
0: And I do want to reference a sports speech, one of my all-time favorite speeches, 2015, the Kansas City Royals. And as you maybe know about some of our legacy and history in Kansas City, we didn't win for a very long time across the board in all of our professional teams. But then in 2014, 2015, something really magical happened in our little town, Kansas City, MLB, Kansas City Royals. Um, 2014, we went all the way to the end, didn't quite win, but then 2015 came back with a vengeance. And when we won that year and the parade came through downtown Kansas City and all the players got up on the Union Station stage, somebody handed the microphone to a fellow by the name of Johnny Gomes. And I very distinctly remember this moment because we were all invested. I mean, we knew every single player. We knew all the starting pitcher stats. We knew every single... Angle, except for this one particular fella. I don't remember him because he wasn't necessarily a starter, but he is known around the league for being an incredibly synergistic guy that brings the entire locker room together. And so when they handed in the mm-hmm. microphone, he very point, he very clearly said, Did we have the MVP of the entire league on our team this year? And he looks around and he says, Nope. Not on our team. Did we have Cy Young winner of the year on our team this year? He looks around and says, nope beat that guy too. Did we have rookie of the entire league on our team? We beat that guy too. And then he drops the mic, you know, says some colorful language, you know, but, but he's so right. Like you don't necessarily have to have the best resumes, the best backgrounds, the best educations, but if you can find the right people, then you can put them in those right seats. You know, you had mentioned with the personality assessments, you know, maybe somebody fills out the assessment, you know, congruent and true to who they are, and maybe they're in the wrong role or maybe they have the wrong career path that is most suitable for their type of personality. And I've seen that several times where I've then picked up the phone and I've called that applicant back and I've said, hey, your, your natural leaning tendencies and your personality would be a much better fit in this way. And then we have that conversation and it opens up a whole new world of just something incredible for folks.
1: I think that little sidebar conversation here, I think that is where the NFL failed Tim Tebow. I think that, you know, for all of of you know, to to sort of go to the point of what we're talking about here, here was a guy who had just won Mm -hmm. no matter what level he was at, yeah. All the way through college. All he did was win. Um and he gets to the NFL and it and it just became about skills. And there's, and it wasn't that he wasn't skilled. (laughs) It wasn't that it's just, he didn't fit the exact mold that somebody thought needed to happen. And I look now at someone like your quarterback (laughs) who, who throws sidearm, who doesn't have maybe the absolute best release that, that you should have yet. He's winning Mm -hmm. and, and he is sort of infecting that culture of of the organization in the city in such a great way um, that they now expect to win every single year. And I and I just it bums me out because I feel like they they all they saw was the circus that followed him around instead of the really great quality human that existed that is what you really want to build a culture around. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it's about. And, and look at all the stuff he's done off. And and listen, I sound like I'm a huge Tim Tebow fan. I'm really not, but I, I can, I, I, he is yes, but I can appreciate somebody who they, you know, they had all the right stuff. And for any reason you look at should have had a magnificent career at that level yet organizations chose to pass because they didn't see the person. They just were looking at a resume, um, which, Arguably, was better than most who have who have gotten to that point, and yet they still refuse to give him the shot that I think he deserved and earned. Yeah. Um, and I and I think that it's probably what happens at organizations, especially you doing some work in the recruiting field as well. Um, it happens all the time that they don't look at the person; they're only looking at. Whatever this one particular area of their skill set or this one piece that's missing, and they for whatever reason choose to pass. And as we both know, a lot of times it leads them to failure, mm-hmm. <laughs> anyways. It, I assume you see that quite often on the recruiting side of things.
0: Absolutely, all the time.
1: Yeah, yeah. We're off to a good start. We're talking about how to create
2: team chemistry. And the first one we love, change our mindset. What is your second? thought that rock, Shannon.
0: Yeah. So once you get the right players into your organization, you have to foster a psychologically safe environment in order to really elevate that team chemistry.
1: A hundred percent. I think this has probably become a greater factor in the last two or three years where you know, identity and how people choose to identify and and them feeling like they can come to work in a safe space. Uh, it's really the only way you're going to get their unique contribution, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can give you kind of a, another sports analogy or example, I guess. You know, when I was cheering for the Kansas City Chiefs, going into that Time of my life. I knew that I wanted to be a Kansas City Chiefs cheerleader more than anything. But I also knew that I because I didn't have the opportunity to grow up in cheer and dance classes that I was kind of behind the curve in terms of the applicants or candidates that were vying for those 33 positions and so when I did eventually get to make the team I knew that I needed to leverage and play up like other parts of who I am and what I bring to the table in order to kind of like offset you know maybe I wasn't as talented of a cheerleader or dancer but yet you know I was really great in these other areas but the point that I want to make about this is, is that I feel very strongly that my particular coach for the cheerleading team, but also everyone within the Kansas City Chiefs organization were really great about trying to foster an environment that allowed for everybody to want to play, want to speak up, Mm -hmm. want to contribute in a way, even if they knew that maybe they weren't the A player or they weren't the best in one particular skill set. And very specifically, um, I remember my first year of When I made the team the first year, we went to Jamaica for a week to do our calendar shoot. And we did tons of interviews, tons of media, tons of press. And then we also used that week to be able to work on our routines and get ready for actual season. And I remember we were working on a couple of different combinations for our junior program. Um, You know, we, we put juniors or, you know, children, kids, teenagers through, you know, kind of a program that they get to then perform with us once on the field during the year and we were trying to come up with different like dance combinations and I really wanted to try to contribute in that way and I remember raising my hand and coach coming over to me and I showed her kind of what I was thinking about and she was so wonderful with me to say you know that isn't quite what we're looking for but I love where you're going with that keep working on it and show me you know maybe another combination you know in a couple of days or something and instead of tearing me down and telling me that you know you know, it was awful or it was terrible. We didn't end up using it. I mean, I'll be honest with you, yeah. yes.
3: <laughs> but
0: she made me feel validated and she made me feel psychologically safe that I could continue to keep trying to like come up with ideas. And that is valuable for any team environment.
2: I love that. I have been looking for a psychologically safe environment for a couple of years <laughs>
1: This is not it.
2: <laughs> and uh, I just haven't found it. I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I remember uh, when I was um, when I was a manager working at Hard Rock, I, I remember there was, um, I felt like the management team before me had hired somebody that had become, I guess, like a legacy employee. He had been there for a long time. But really, this guy just disrupted the harmony of the entire shift. I mean, I just, it was frustrating for a lot of people. And I know what managers will do we we have a cheat sheet a labor card i'm sure a lot of businesses have this you would walk into the shift first thing you do is look at he's working and you go Brr, oh crap i know where i have to spend my time by the way the employees do the same thing they go the other direction who's managing who's gonna try and inspire and motivate me who's gonna ask me to stay longer who's gonna ask me to do whatever but i remember this one person all the time and i thought and this is sort of to your point of creating this safe space. This person was just always negative, always causing problems. I got to a point where I started to include him in the pre-shift meetings, in decision-making, even though I knew exactly what I was going to do. I maybe had a preconceived idea. Sometimes I would huddle up three or four people just to talk through something. And I would listen to all of them knowing full well, I wasn't going to be taking this guy's opinion. But what happened is you started, since we're talking about fostering team chemistry, you wound up winning the person over because at least you were listening to them. You were including them. It wasn't what I think a lot of other managers were doing, which is trying to carve him out from the rest of the herd, maybe stomping on him, definitely not calling on him because he was going to be a problem. I just knew that I was okay. I could I could take the hit. Maybe it's 20 seconds of what most people would think would be wasted time. But for me, it was something that was really important. I guess... My question might be, if you're trying to create this team environment, would you have any other thoughts or ideas about people who, you know, for a fact are a problem for you? Maybe they shouldn't have been there. Perhaps somebody is thinking about helping them, you know, promoting them to customer, you know, but they're here right now. They're wearing the logo. They represent the brand. How do you go out there and do that when you're trying to create this safe environment? But this person isn't exactly helping us along. Maybe they're the problem for not having a safe environment. How do you handle that?
0: Yeah, there, it takes all of us, right? You know, what I always tell folks is that with, especially with a personality assessment, let's just keep using that as maybe kind of a baseline here. You know, mm-hmm. there's no one right type of personality, right? Like we have just a myriad of Options and choices of what people are made up and, and what they like and what they prefer versus what they don't like and what they don't prefer. You know, we've got some people that are extroverts, some people that are introverts, some people that have that need and that desire to want to be outspoken and verbose, but then other folks that maybe kind of take a step back a little bit, you know. And so I think for all of us, for hiring managers, owners, company presidents, CEOs, or even if you just have a small team that you're managing, you know, you've got to know your people inside and out, and then you've to know what motivates them how they communicate and what they value and once you can understand that information then you can use that to your advantage not only for yourself and your company goals but also for the individual's goals and needs Mm. Mm. awesome awesome i
2: love that listen we'll be right back after this message
3: To anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics, you can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to StoicismPod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.
2: Shannon, tell tell us what is your third thought that rocks?
0: Yeah, and it's just really simple. Create an evaluation system to regularly check in with each and every single one of your employees.
1: I love that. I love that. One of the um, sort of things that we were working through... Uh, in in this certification course that I was taking, uh, was that it, without a feedback mechanism, it doesn't really matter, right? So you have to have some sort of way um, that that you're getting constant feedback because it's not a, a sort of a set it and forget it sort of thing. It's something that is a living, breathing, mm-hmm. you know, organization, and so you you're going to have to constantly have this feedback mechanism in place to ensure that you can um, sort of make the necessary changes on the fly. Uh, to adjust to what's happening as, as you say all the time, Jim, you know, when, when somebody joins your team for the first time or somebody leaves your organization, the culture changes. And so I would assume in your perspective as well, that's why uh, something like this, that's some, some sort of a, of a feedback mechanism where they can go in and continually check in matters even more. It does. I mean, I obviously interested in,
2: in Shannon's thought. I, I think when you talk about having some sort of a feedback mechanism or an evaluation process. And believe me, I was a big believer in, because I was in human resources and training like you, I think having systems in place, I never used to think I was a system guy, but I do think if you put a process or system in place, you're less likely for the organization or the collective to sort of screw up. I was a big believer in performance appraisals. I think you see now a lot of companies getting away from that. They're winding up having... What I call performance discussions. I actually think you could create a one page form if you even need a piece of paper. That thing's just a tool anyway. It's an excuse to have a conversation with the mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. I think, and again, I'm not, I don't want to put words in your mouth because I do want to hear your opinion on this. I think you could create a process in a 10, 15 minute conversation, maybe using a piece of paper to find out where they are or having a conversation. Because when my boss is talking to me on a regular basis, I'm crystal clear as exactly what it is that guy or that girl wants. I mean, I can charge up the hill and not have to question it because we've been talking about it. Versus what I think a lot of companies do—they're just having one conversation a year because you know HR told me to, to to fill out the form to go in the file to get more money. I, I don't—it doesn't have anything to do with that. I just want to make sure we're all headed toward true north, right? But what what would you say? What would be an example? of how you can create an evaluation process so that you can get to every employee and make sure we're on the right page, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think the bare bones minimum here is, is let's put the human element back into you know our humans that are working together in the workplace. You know, we've mm-hmm. again we we've for far too long we've been focused on standardized testing or certain evaluation techniques with interviews or you know again what the resume looks like. But instead, if we can just really try to understand each of our employees and do just regular check-ins with them and knowing what that again what they value and what motivates them, because then that is what you can lean into. You know, I had mentioned earlier that, you know, let's just give something as an, uh, simple as an example as extroverts versus introverts. You know, maybe an extrovert has the need to need to speak up a lot and contribute a lot versus an introvert. Maybe doesn't have that same kind of natural leaning tendency. And so maybe we're not checking in with our introverts as much as we probably need to, to make sure, you know, how are you doing? Do you feel? Feel like you're contributing do you feel like you're you know an integral member of the team and so there's no one right way (laughs) you mentioned you know the once a year you know evaluation because hr told me to do so yeah there's there's no one right way you know and i think every company or every hiring manager needs to assess for themselves what is going to be the greatest system in place for you and your team, and then let's make sure that we stick to that and implement it. Um, I think a lot of times we fall away from some of those ideas as well, because again, we're just, we get focused in the weeds. We think about how many widgets are we selling this week? Are we behind on those goals? But yet we've got to put that human element back into humanity.
2: I I almost think you, you don't, you know, you can almost never over communicate. I, I think the more that you can listen, but also help people stay on the straight and narrow. I mean, I do, you're right. I do love your idea of, you know, when I talk about culture and I talk about it changes every time somebody comes or goes, you know, you put something into place. We called it a Rex meeting. It was actually an acronym for reality versus expectations. You find a certain period of time, which I, I don't want to tell lies out of school, but I think it was a Gallup organization that had done, you know, they're the granddaddy of all survey companies. They had done so much work with organizations that they found that around the 90-day mark, so it's three months in, is about the time that people start to think, I I, I don't really want to work here. That's when they start to hedge, maybe I need to bolt. So we would try and figure out when that is, maybe not right at 90 days, maybe it's around the 60, 70-day mark before they start thinking like that and ask them, Is it exactly like we said it was going to be in the orientation? Is our training matching up to our values Mm -hmm. matching up to your personal values? And when you ask these questions, maybe what you did is just by asking the questions like, oh, they care about me. You just bought me another six months versus now just you know looking with the wandering eye. So I think maybe a combination of both of these, if people are coming and going at the very lease when the people are coming on board, not only doing the great orientation and the training and the communicating, if that's all we ever do, shame on us. You got to figure out where are the touch points and talk to them regularly, which is what I think you're saying anyway, Shannon, you know, create that evaluation process so that people feel seen and heard. That's not the only reason to get them to stick around, but they they feel engaged because you're asking me, right?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've seen so much change in the last three years um, when it comes to our workplaces and the way that we approach our type of work. And, you know, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about burnout. We've talked a lot about overwhelm. We've talked a lot about like, we've just, we don't, we don't have the same structure in these last three years as we had for 40 or 50 years prior (laughs) to these last couple of years. And so, you know, I think just at the end of the day, you nailed it. People just want to be seen people just want to be heard. And so if, if as managers or owners of companies, you know, if we can just do a better job and lean into that, then I think that we'll have more success with productivity and longevity of retaining our employees.
2: Well, it even goes back to your second um, thought, which is, you know, you foster this, this uh, psychologically safe environment. I mean, today, if you're not talking about how to handle anxiety, or you're not focusing on you know mental health. If you're not looking for other thing, I mean, people are, have constantly for years talked about physical health. Now it has to be a part of your, not just benefit program, it just has to be an organic thing that we're doing regularly. If you're not doing that, I do think now you're gonna have team members that are gonna be scratching their heads going, I wanna work for a company that that's part of being heard and seen as well, that they care about the whole me, not just you know the position me, that I'm just going in there to fill fill a position. So I'm right there with you. These are fantastic. I mean, I know it's probably hard, especially in your background to, to probably truncate this down to three thoughts, but I love all three of these, you know, we're, again, we're talking about how to create team chemistry. You have change our mindset. That's, that's number one, foster a psychologically safe environment. Number two, and the third was create an evaluation process. And you, you do it in such a way that you can check in with every employee you got a pretty good shot of having an awesome team. So, you know, I we it. I think we have an awesome team for because of these three things. Agreed. And I'm not just talking about you
1: and me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> We do have a lot of people that work with us we well. They're amazing. Yeah. They're the only reason <laughs> anything gets done around here. So that's the truth. No. <laughs> Shannon, we can't thank you enough. Uh, if
2: people want to learn more about you and some of the work you do, whether it's consulting or speaking, where should we send them?
0: Yeah. I mean, all over the internet, Shannon McCain, type it in and you'll find me, you know, website, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, um, always trying to put content out there to help uh, folks do better in life.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. Where were you born and raised? I don't think you mentioned that.
0: Yeah, I was Kansas City, Missouri, <laughs> world champion, Kansas City Chiefs.
1: We are out of time. Uh, That's definitely uh, going look to at that. right? Yes.
0: Yeah. That's uh, going to be the
1: opening clip right there. <laughs> that,
2: that might be the clip. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you. We've known you for several years. I mean, obviously, a lot of the work that we do on the circuit, and uh, same thing. I think whenever I'm in Dallas, we wind up trying to figure out a way to get together, and just we know that you're a supporter of a lot of things we do, and it's so nice to be able to have you paired up with one of the topics that we've been really wanting to share with our audience. So, good on you. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us. You rock!
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on.
1: You Thanks, Shannon. It. Be good. Talk to you soon. rock stars thanks so much for tuning in yeah and listen we know how busy you are and grabbing those little nuggets
2: of wisdom that can amp up your life are super hard to come by So we hope this episode helped you enough for you to maybe subscribe and consider leaving us a rating and a review
1: so that we can continue to grow the show. Thus That Rock is a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network and also supports Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding and funding treatment options for kids who have run out of options. They're amazing. Their work is incredible. To learn more, please go to cannonballkidscancer.org.
2: Finally, if you're interested in having Grant or Jim or both of us speak at your event, whether as a virtual webinar or an in-person conference keynote or mastermind, contact us directly at at thoughtsatrock.com. Until next time, rock on! Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit